Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive, high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. Um, my guest today is Brian Blipkowski, and he is the author, researcher, and futurist, passionate about the role of questions and answers in business and society. Who knew there's a whole science around answers? Um, during his research, one simple observation stopped him in his tracks. We know a lot about questions. Every day you get books, you get titles. We study questions from the time we are children till the time we end. But how do we know that the answers we give are the right answers, given the personality and the, the needs of the other individuals to be able to track us in the answers? Anyway. Brian has written a book that introduces this new science and was nominated for the 2022 Prose Award for Professional and Scholarly Excellence. The book rights have been purchased for translation into multiple languages. So there are a lot of people questioning whether they have the right answers. And with that, hey, Brian, how are you doing today? Nice, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Not a worry. I am fascinated by this topic here. You know, as I said in the opening, we've been trained all our life on figuring out what the question is. And, you know, my favorite thing is up until now has been be careful what you ask for because you generally get what you ask for. So the question is really important because whatever the question is, that's where you're going to search. It's almost like we have a convergence of the brain and the mind to focus on that particular one. Very few people can think outside of that unless they've been trained to look and say, well, wait a minute, is that the right question? What's the problem we're trying to solve kinds of things? So tell me, why should we care about the answers? Because answers are related to influence. Mm. By the way, in our framework, that's a theory answer, cause and effect. You asked a why question, answered that with a simple theory. And if you think about it, you can ask great questions. So, for example, on a job interview, you know, why should I work here? What is my role? How do I do things? And those are wonderful. But I would assert the primary determinant, whether you're going to get the job or not, is your ability to provide compelling answers. So mm. if you're a leader and you tell a story where you are the protagonist about your leadership, can you explain what leadership is as a definition? That's a concept answer. Can you explain a procedure of how you lead a meeting, a key action to unlock a project, so on and so forth? It is the quality of your answers that determines influence. So why should you, you know, focus on answers? Why should you care about answers? 
you should if you're interested in influencing yourself and the world around you. Okay, so everybody, you now understand why you need to listen to this a little bit more closely so that you can get different answers. But there's a science around answers. How did you how did you get into this? Well, in brief, I and my background as a management professor, I did research on questions, published research there. And then I did research on the answer side of the equation with the top golf instructors in the world about how they communicate and influence. And um, that was sort of, you know, the high level, how I got into this. I'll pause there to see what kind of follow-up question or comment you want to make. I, I know there's a lot of quote unquote sciences out there, and I'm not denigrating that they're not science because they all have this like that, but answers. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there's science revolves around so many things, you know, goal yeah. setting. Um, some would say, you know, questions, although my framework is questions and answers. I think why science of answers, you think of, you know, if you look at, first of all, my framework, it's answers that relate to questions. What, why, and how questions, when and where that relate to different answer types, six of them. So it's really a complete framework of questions and answers, call it answer intelligence because that's new. So why a science of answers? If you think about it, questions and answers touch everything, right? You know, can you imagine a, a conversation with a direct report, questions and answers? Mm -hmm. You know, can you explain something to a group? They're going to have questions and answers. Mm -hmm. So it's like the tip of the spear. It's the cutting edge of anything. Mm -hmm. So the reason I wanted to study this is I got into it is because it has tremendous potential to help others impact the world, you know, not to be redundant with influence, but that's why answers are important because it touches everything. And we have a simple framework that anyone can learn and upskill. And um, these are some of the reasons why I embarked on this. Okay. Well, we'll talk, let's talk about the high answer intelligent practices that you developed or at least codified. What's the first one? Let's just look at high IQ practice one. Very basic is that need to be able to provide the best answer uh, mm -hmm. possible, singular, in a given mm -hmm. circumstance. So, for example, if you asked me what leadership was, and let's say you're an emerging leader and you're trying to figure this out, right? You're really wrestling it with mm -hmm. it for the first time. You know, the what question, what is leadership in our framework can be answered with a concept or metaphor. So, you know, maybe I could define what leadership is. Maybe that's the answer I want to provide. I could say, well, in my experience, leadership is inspiring others and holding them accountable to achieve a goal. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple definition, but if you look at leadership and Google it, you know, there's, there's hundreds of definitions. In right, right, right. Leadership. So you have to know what it is you think it is. Mm -hmm. And that's important because now, you know, I'm about inspiration and accountability. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's high, that's high IQ practice one, provide the best answer. And just mm -hmm. to segue to high IQ practice two, and then I'll stop. I'm not going to go through all five of them unless you want me to. But high IQ practice two is answer twice. So for important questions, you answer twice. So just imagine I gave you that definition answer, right? You know, leadership is helping others uh, to achieve their goals by inspiring them and holding them accountable concept. Now I could seamlessly answer and say, as a metaphor, and I have my fingers out, you know, for the audience, two fingers out, and I'll mm -hmm. say, Leadership is like two ropes. The fingers are separated. When the ropes are separate, they're strong. 
when they're braided together, I cross my fingers, mm-hmm. the, the ropes are even stronger. That's how mm-hmm. I lead each meeting. I'm going to inspire and hold you accountable. You know, and I can explain that to, you know, prospective, you know, leader that's emerging. And the reason you'd answer twice is for influence. There's certain questions that are logical, like concept. Yeah. And, you know, more creative, intuitive, like the metaphor. So those are an example of two high AQ practices. And just to punctuate this, you know, most of the time you want to answer one, one time, right? What's the best answer? But every once in a while, you want to provide emphasis for things that are really important. Answer twice. You want to do that all the time because that won't be very conversational. You'll be sort of drowned out. But um, that's an example of two of the high AQ practices. And these are techniques that we learn from the top golf instructors in the world. Well, how do you know which one to use in a situation? Great question. It's sort of like basketball. So as an offensive team, we can shoot three-pointers. We can shoot layups. We can, you know, have jump shots. You know, we can do passing, dribbling. So that's sort of similar to communication. You have different techniques at your disposal. You can ask a question, provide an answer at any given turn. You have choices of questions, choices of answers. So it starts there. So it's, it's it, you know, it. To some extent, you know, this idea of uh, equifinality, there's more than one way to get to the destination. There's more than one way to score the basket. There's more than one way to communicate. So the, the very big picture is you have these different tools and you have to decide what you want to use. And part mm-hmm. is going to be what you're most comfortable with, what the other mm-hmm. party is giving you. Like mm-hmm. if they're giving you three-point shots, you take the three-pointers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, there, you know, each of the high IQ practices, you know, has tells of what they may be asking. So you know, when we're listening to questions, if someone asks a what question, then concept and metaphor are probably best. A why mm-hmm. question, theory, just strategy and story, how question, procedure and action. And these questions, by the way, can be explicit. They can be implicit. You know, like I could be sitting, you know, in a room with my arm crossed during a sales meeting. And I'm really saying, why should I spend my time with you? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, a story or theory pretty quick. Or they could be latent questions. So working with that emerging leader, latent question is a question they're not asking, but they should be asking. And you Mm. can sort of address that. So, you know, high IQ practice one is find the best answer to the singular question being asked. So that's sort of an example of how you find your way. But there's other tells within the high IQ practices. They're all techniques that allow you to decide how to communicate in terms of questions and answers at any given moment. So I'm I'm um, been promoted into middle manager or, you know, I'm somebody who's trying to navigate my personal life and I'm going up against, well, let's narrow it down to, I have to go to the doctor and ask questions about, because I'm a caregiver and I'm worried about um, the care that my family is, or my mother or father is getting. And obviously there's this expert sitting in front of me, the doctor, whom we, and we actually think that they know all the answers. Many people think that, you know, they went to school for a long time. They know all the answers, right? But to get the right answer, I found you have to really know what it is you need to seek. What's, what's the answer you're trying to seek, right? Knowing that this is a person who, for the most part, has 15 minutes. <laughs> That's the way our medical system is in the U.S. About 15 minutes is all you're going to get. How do I phrase the question so that two things happen? One, they do answer the question, but they answer the question in a usable form. There's different ways you can ask questions. You know, what is wrong with me? You know, that, that's one way of doing it. Or, you know, how do I take my medicine? 
and each of these though can be transformed into into answers as part of the asking. So you could say, can you tell me in simple steps, three steps, how I'm going to get better? Can you identify some key actions that I can do to lower my cholesterol? Mm -hmm. So you get the specific things you want. You can sort of request the answers from them. So that's one thing. Also, you're, you're correct. Like questions and answers are related. The questions you ask are based on your prior knowledge, which are prior mm -hmm. answers, by the way. Mm -hmm. So if you go into the doctor and you have stories from like relatives of, you know, on some kind of drug, oh, that drug's horrible. Let me tell you what happened. You know, this drug's great. Let me tell you what happened. The questions you ask are based on your, your context for which you come into that meeting with the doctor. Yep. Connect a couple of question and answer. Um, but when you, when you get in, you know, by knowing, another thing is by knowing answer types, you can hold someone accountable. So if I ask, you know, how am I going to get better? Mm -hmm. And the doctor gives me a glib story about, you know, I don't know, taking care of yourself. That's a story. That's not a procedure or action. So you can reiterate and say, you know, that's a nice story. Thank you. But can you give me a three-step approach that's going to help me here? I really need some help. I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some things you can do. Um, and by the way, I have a, a chapter in my book on physician AQ. You know, like many professionals, the training focuses on questions. Sales, mm -hmm. coaching methodology is based on questions. Physicians are trained on questions. They're not trained mm -hmm. on answers. Mm -hmm. But just imagine what would happen in terms of health outcomes, potentially. I'm sort of speculating here. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, the doctor comes in, gives a simple metaphor why you need to take your drug you know, very concise. It's going to give the patient the proper context. Then they ask them some questions. They sort of understand what it is, you know? So, you know, providing answers as a context for questions is a really great approach. And in a business context, that would be sort of comparable to you know, starting a meeting with a story or a metaphor saying the context within which someone then can ask questions. Okay. So taking it to the next step. So now you're kind of preparing before you go in to think about the two, two things that I really want to know. What's wrong with me? How do I get better? Um, and then I always ask, how will I know I'm getting better? Because I'm, I'm one who needs milestones and progress, um, you know, check marks and stuff like that, um, so that I know on top of doing that. You know, so you've kind of started with a good list of who, um, who am I talking to? What was that I want to know? And how the situation will change. And I mean, for the most part, that's kind of the question I'm hearing. What are questions that we don't often ask that we should ask? I think it starts with, you know, basic command of why, what, and how questions and understanding the differences between them. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we as human communicators conflate questions. This goes back to when we're young children, or if you have a young child you know, kindergartners or, or earlier toddlers, when they start speaking, they ask questions and they, this is well documented, they may ask how, 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 sometimes they mean why, sometimes they mean what. So this conflation of questions continues all the way to the executive ranks. You know, like you can see an executive, you know, screaming, you know, how are we going to do this? You know, and, and really, I mean, they might mean, why are we going to do this? <laughs> but mm -hmm. so, one thing to understand is there's a difference between natural language, the mm -hmm. words we use, why, what, and how, and technical language, mm -hmm. what those mean in precise categories. AQ is a framework of precise categories, but you have to map the natural language questions to that. 
And so that I'm bringing that up just to mention for questions we ask, we have to have command and understand the different question types. So I think you can improve as a questioner by simply understanding that there are three primary question types, why, what, and how, and that they map to different answer types. So when you ask a question, you know the, the outcome you're looking for. That's a big step up. So once you ask the question, they don't provide the answer. You say, no, that's not the answer I'm looking for. I'm looking for a procedure or steps. Can you provide that to me? That's a game changer, as simple mm-hmm. as it is. So this is you know, why study answers, because if you want to understand questions, you can't understand questions without answers, like the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Another thing you can do is be an active listener through mm-hmm. the AQ framework. So during a conversation, you want to be listening for questions and answers and being ready to respond. So listening for answers means if I'm in an executive meeting of a team and someone tells a story, I'm constantly asking myself, okay, why did that outcome occur in the story? You know, cause and effect of theory, you know, what is the key point of the story? I could ask that question as a follow-up or that's a nice you know, story of how someone you know, changed their culture. How are we going to change our culture? Mm-hmm. So active listening is taking answers in the, in, in the context and then finding subsequent questions. And uh, so those are a couple things you can do to improve your, your questioning. Hey guys, I'm breaking in, you know, because um, I want at this point for you to pay attention to something. One of the things that I offer is the uh, inside summary and you can go to my website and get a copy of it but you'll notice that one of the things we do is go through several of the personalities that show up and how you can interact and communicate with those individuals and I hope that you will take a moment and uh, check it out so back to the podcast all right so talk to me a little bit about the other um, practices or the uh, high AQ practices. You mentioned two of them. What so repeat those? And then what are the other three? Well, actually, now we're ready for high AQ practice zero. Okay. High AQ practice zero is question recognition, which we, we just went through. And you know, I found that people don't understand how to recognize questions, or, you know, because it's doesn't map to answers. So wait, 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 wait. We yeah. don't know how to recognize questions. <laughs> well, recognize questions in their, in their technical sense, you know, so you have to be able to distinguish that there's a distinction between why, what, and how questions, you know, what questions relate to declarative knowledge, understanding mm-hmm. of basic ideas, uh, why questions are structural knowledge, cause and effect logic for, for theory or strategy and stories have a, a theme, a cause and effect log- logic, mm-hmm. and how questions relate to declarative knowledge. So we, we, we know what questions are, but questions can't be understood unless they're in full relationship to answers. So that's what yeah. this stream has given you. So yeah. without being redundant, you know, if the executive asks a question, they may use the word why, what, or how, but you have to understand what kind of knowledge are they looking for? Okay. They, why we're doing this in a technical sense, what or how? And these questions can be conflated. And that, mm-hmm. that's what we mean by question recognition. Okay. Also, the questions can be implicit or latent, right? So when, 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 the, when that, in the beginning of our call, we talked about like an emerging leader talking to me about trying to find themselves with what is leadership, I could find they're asking what questions, but a latent question when they should be asking, but they're not is how to do, you know, accountability or inspiration. 
Mm-hmm. And so I might address that answer to give them the answer they need, but they're not asking for the, they're not asking the questions. They don't realize they need to. Right, right, right. Okay. So question zero is, is recognize there is a question there. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I <laughs> recognize there's a question. Uh, IQ practice one is B is in the full form is be able to provide all six answers, but provide the single best answer. So that's the single best answer to a given question. IAQ practice two is answer twice. Important why, what, and how questions are answered twice. What question with concept and metaphor in one utterance? The why question, theory, and story in one utterance? And the how question, procedure, and action? And answering twice allows you to connect with the logical and emotional sort of sides of our brain, if, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to in- increase impact. So now we're on a high IQ practice three which is provide complementary answers. So this gets at how conversations often unfold and and a a good sequence to pursue. So if I can give you an example, you know, imagine the listeners here, we're we're doing a training and it's a mentoring training. Everyone's sitting, listening to the mentoring training. You may start by having an explicit question. Someone may raise their hand. What is mentoring? Mm -hmm. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Answer and I could say, um, mentoring is helping, you know, others become their, their better future selves at work. It consists mm-hmm. of role modeling, social support, and career support. And then I can mm-hmm. explain that some more. That's a concept answer. And so the person who asked it maybe feels good about the answer, right? They're not in their head. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, then, then the next question, complimentary in the circle, complimentary answers are next to each other in the circle. Okay. or adjacent. So the next question the person may have could be, could be explicit or implicit. They'll say, now I know what mentoring is. You talked about social support. How do I do social support? Right. It's a logical oh. extension. Right. And then you could say, I got it. You know, I've, I've studied AQ and I, more importantly, equally, I, I know the content of mentoring. And I could say, well, let me tell you about a social support procedure. It's called open door procedure. Here's what you do. You, you have your door open in your office and that's step one. Then somebody's going to come in and then you ask them, can we do this meeting right now? Or can we wait, you know, uh, and, and schedule a later time? If it's for social issues, uh, you probably want to meet right away because if someone has an emotional issue or some kind of pain they're going through, they need it to be you know, address right away. Different from sometimes task issues, which can wait, right? Okay, mm-hmm. do that next. Mm-hmm. You can meet, you meet. Step three is if you're, if you can't meet right away, you schedule a meeting and meet later. Mm-hmm. It's a simple three-step procedure of mm-hmm. how to provide social support, which is consistent with what social support is, which involves you know, being there for the person emotionally, openness, etc. So I just laid out a simple procedure and that's complementary answers. So, you know, adjacent answers complement, and it's a good way to navigate a conversation and move it forward. IQ practice four is answer with style. So this is where it's good to look at the visual of the wheel. There's three colors on the wheel. There's red answers, which are uh, metaphor and story, and they, they connect to experiences and emotions. We call those relational answers. Mm-hmm. Then there's yellow answers, concept, and theory, which explain and predict in a complex world. Those are analytical answers. And then there's blue answers, 
um, procedure and action that are about getting work done, all those mm -hmm. practical answers. Mm -hmm. So, and there are three styles, relational style, practical style, and analytical style. So answer a style is about recognizing your style and the style of others. So for example, let's say I'm on a job interview and I'm meeting with someone that has a very practical style. Mm -hmm. So regardless of the questions being asked at a higher base rate, I'm going to provide examples of procedures and actions to get that person excited and interested. Right. You know, so that, you know and conversely, if someone's more relational stories, you do that. So this is, you know, another uh, practice you can use that is about navigating conversations to create impact. It's interesting because to give the right answer, it, it's more than just knowing the technical part of the answer. When I hear you talk about this, it, 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 as you said, it's a relational, not just from the answer question side, but you also have to um, deliver the answer in a way that is most useful for the other person and anticipate um, kind of the logic of, of where they're headed uh, from a style point of view. So if I have somebody whose style of communication is just give me the bottom line first, and then I'll ask other questions, which generally they don't ask really good questions. Um, many executives are just give me the bottom line because they're time crunched, right? Um, just just tell me what I, what it is, what, what what that looks like. But they're also time crunched, and without the context, the answers usually less relevant, in my opinion. Is that fair? Totally fair. You know, context is when and where that surrounds the questions and answers. So like when the context changes, the answers often change. They don't always, but for example, if you're interviewing for a job at a bank, mm -hmm. if you tell a story about a bank, it's probably mm -hmm. better. If you're interviewing mm -hmm. for a job at a bakery, telling a story about a bakery is probably better, all else being equal. So context definitely matters. And you know, I, two, two other things I want to comment on there that you made me think about. One is a good time to say that AQ is simple, but not simplistic. So it's sort of like mm -hmm. basketball, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, what is it? Just putting the ball in the hoop, right? But we know that that, you know, there's skill and there's, there's subtlety and there's art. Same thing with questions and answers. So we've been all using question and answers all our life, but have we been using it in a purposeful way? It's like mm -hmm. the difference between playing basketball at your house and playing in the NBA. Mm -hmm. These are not the same, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the good thing is they AQ, anyone can upskill. Um, another thing I want to say related to provide complimentary answers and say a busy executive, you can't get around the fact that conversations are about multiple answers, multiple questions. So if someone says, just give me the bottom line and go away, there's only so much information you can pack in there. Right. So we'll, um, think of and this relates to complementary answers, there's uh, the idea of a GPS. So GPS requires three points for a position, right? So in similar terms, three answers make a substantive conversation. So if I mm -hmm. talk to the executive, I share, you know, a concise story, a procedure, and say an action, three points, we're more likely to be on the same page. The executive mm -hmm. is more likely to understand something. But if I only tell one answer, here's the procedure, something may get lost. Mm -hmm. So that's a technique and it requires skill. If you're talking to someone that doesn't have a lot of time, can you compactly share that information to match the cadence of the person you're talking to? 
So that means, for example, the story, instead of a two minute story, can you version it to a 30 second story for the busy executive had the same impact? So I just want to reiterate, because that's that seems like something people really need to hold on to. So there's story, there's procedure. And what was the third one? Uh, action in that example. So you know, three of the six were used and that creates triangulation that gives us positioning. We understand something in the same way it, that that's important to communication. So so, the, so in the terms of the busy executive, the one who's just a bottom line kind of person, the key thing is keeping the story short and tight uh, because what they really want to know is procedures and actions. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, depends what their interest is. Sometimes they may, may want to know just what we're doing and then others will do the procedures or actions. You know, mm-hmm. you never, you never know, but I'll give you another tip for communicating. And this is, we're all familiar with Simon Sinek, right? Start with, yeah. so I, I like Simon and, and, you know, his work, but I will say that it's more functional to, to start with what mm-hmm. rather than why. So the, the what question can be answered compactly and concisely. Like I did, you know, what is leadership? And I define it, then give you a metaphor. Then I can move up or down to a story or procedure. We're on the same page. Mm-hmm. But if I answer, you know, why we're doing this with a story of leadership before we're on the same page with what it is, there's a risk the story may be misinterpreted. Mm. It's, it's possible that, you know, you have such a good story that you're going to be pulled into what it is, and that's great. But I will tell you this, if you put a stopwatch on me, I can more concisely, in a definitive way that's going to influence you, explain concept and metaphor, or one of them, than I can some of the other answer types. So starting with what is a good way to start, and then you can ask the guidance of the executive. I told you what we're doing, right? You know, the TPS project, here's what it is. Would you let me elaborate and tell you why we're doing it or how we're going to do it? Pause, Mm -hmm. give them control, then you move on. A very simple technique you can use. So um, how would you flip that for the executive who thinks out loud? And chances are you almost, they've got, a story and six questions. And I mean, all of that kind of stuff like that. And, and you have yeah. to almost feel, I often feel rude saying, wait a minute, let's slow this down. Or you've asked me five things, which is most important or, you know, something yeah. like that. So I think this, you know, in a way sort of uh, applies to, to me, not as an executive, but as a communicator and sort of my style, I think before AQ in particular, I would think out loud. I would go in a million mm-hmm. different directions. I ask five questions at once, five answers at once. I'm thinking ahead. What AQ does is it provides discipline and intentionality. Mm. You know, this is a key thing. And, you know, for example, you know, what is a hallmark of an effective meeting? You know, all else being equal, one that asks and answers all the questions. Having six answers for a meeting, you know, could be very appropriate to move people forward. Um but you take that same meeting, maybe led by an executive who has no control, you know, discipline. Right. They're reassociating. What might happen? Here's a likely scenario. The executive starts the meeting with the 10-minute story. You right. know, it goes on longer than they thought. Then, then the other executive gives a story. Another executive wants to give, get in, gives a story. Briefly talk about next steps, actions. But it's like 80% sort of story discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there could be reasons to really focus on stories. We want to do it for the right reasons. So a more intentional approach would be, you know, the the executive as a facilitator, you know, provides a story, then then sort of solicits questions about what do you think the key point of that is? Mm -hmm. You know, how are we going to do this? And you move people around to all the different answer types. So that's um, 
that's the difference. But going back to your initial question, I think what AQ did for me is it, it provided discipline and intentionality. And um, now with AQ, you can have a coaching session or a training session with the client. A lot of our partners will provide the AQ book to executives that particularly are, like to read and are you know mm-hmm. hung, hungry for new things. Now your next meeting is totally different. Mm-hmm. You say, "What is what is your problem?" You know, and then you know the, the executive knows. Well, they're looking for a concept or metaphor answer. You know? What is your problem? Can you frame that as a metaphor? Okay. You know, and, then, and then you start you start down the path of productive conversation. It also reminds me that there's some individuals who need priming before they come into the meeting. So you need to kind of focus them uh, because they they just are more deliberate in their thinking. Um, and they take in a lot of stuff like that. So priming questions. So we show up because most people, or I shouldn't say most people, but we know that most meetings really don't hit, don't um, give us what we need um, because of a lot of reasons. One, we're just bad at holding meetings and what that looks like. But for those individuals who we know we might have, a, in fact, I'm working with an organization that most of them are deliberate thinkers. And so you definitely have to send open-ended questions or tightly worded questions to them before we get into the meeting, if you're going to have any kind of discussion um, in the meeting. Otherwise, you wind up in this whole thing of dead silence. What would be, how would you set up the thinking or the direction of the thinking so that people would be prepared if they were more deliberate thinkers? Yeah, doubling down on something I said before, you can start with, you know, very broad, simple questions. Like you said, open-ended, big questions, what, why, and how. Almost any topic is sort of follow this structure. What is fill in the blank? Why is fill in the blank important? How are we going to do fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. So what is leadership? You know, for for you know our, our middle management team, mm-hmm. right? If you're, if you're focusing on how to get them to be their leaders, why is uh, important for middle managers to be leaders? How are the middle managers going to improve their leadership? So you can start with these very broad questions, but you have guardrails and what the answers might look like. And perhaps even more important than asking the questions, or equally important, is give them some guidance of the type of answers you're looking for, mm. um, and that's that gives them something to role model. So that's a really nice exercise. So that's something, you know, to suggest, or maybe introduce in one session, say, we're talking about this topic, and then you go through six answers for it. They say, now we've learned this. Now prep for our next meeting, I'm going to ask you these basic questions so you can prepare. And these are the type of answers we're looking for. I want you to think this through. Okay. So that, that's something you can do. And that gets to the intentionality and mm-hmm. of, of the meeting. And being able to influence them to get the right answers out of this. Oh my good. That's yeah. great. I, I really like that. So if I, I'm walking away from this podcast, what are two things that I ought to take away from here, from this conversation? Well, I'll give you two things that are tips. Um, one is be able to provide six answers. Mm-hmm. So take something that's important to you. It could be related to your role or your identity. So you think about who you are as a person, and you may say, you know, I'm a leader. Okay. If that's true, I want you to ask and answer some simple questions for leadership. What is leadership to you? Why do you lead? How do you lead? And start to document and organize your answers. So Mm -hmm. that's an exercise about being intentional and thoughtful. At Mm -hmm. the end of the day, you should have a clear definition of leadership. Moreover, you're starting to explore different definitions, right? Mm-hmm. And you're figuring mm-hmm. out what's for you 
maybe one or more metaphors related mm-hmm. to your leadership, different stories, procedures for different meetings. So that's something do one time and then do an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. The second thing I'd recommend is just try a cue out and try these different answer types. Listen for questions, try different answer types. And I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you. It's like when you're a junior person on the job market, we can all recall back to our days as junior people on the job market, if we're not yeah. junior people anymore. But uh, you know, you think about it, it's like interview season. You have like five or six interviews lined up in a row, right? Yeah. And you get all these interviews, they just hit. And you go in the interview and what do you do? You're naturally going to tell your story. The first meeting, it didn't really land so well. Second meeting, maybe a little bit better. Third meeting, you nailed it. And then you use that same story, you know, for interviews four or five, and then six, you land the job. So that's sort of an example of story and mm-hmm. that you've opened yourself up already to trying stories and being open to it. Now, now do that intentionally for stories, but all the other answer types. Give yourself permission to try out metaphors, and you're going to be surprised about how people start to respond. So mm-hmm. that would be my, my second suggestion is just go out there and try and uh, just make note of, of, of how it's working for you. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So if people want to carry on this conversation, how do they get a hold of you? you I can be reached in LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Brian Glibkowski. I'm the only Brian Glibkowski in the world, so you'll find <laughs> me. Uh, second, our website is raiseyouraq.com. Okay. And you can fill out the contact form there. And if I could, just a, a short plug, there's a, a free um, AQ exploration assessment takes two to four minutes and you get a 10 page PDF report. I encourage you to go to raiseyouraq.com and try it out for yourself. All right. You heard it. And we left you with not only tips, but now you have a way in which you can actually document um, where you are in terms of your ability to provide really relevant, meaningful answers to a variety of listeners. Because remember, we all come from different places. We're all unique. So I want to thank you for being my guest today, Brian. It's been my pleasure. You're a great host, great questions, and also answers as well. Thank you. (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm working on it. (laughs) All right, guys, you know, we're here every Thursday. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so that you don't miss any of the podcasts that uh, are coming up. We have some fabulous guests who are going to be my friends, and they will offer their insights on how you can live the best life you have and become a person who is more fabulous than you already are. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. As I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.